Hello everyone and welcome to Primrose Light. You're here with me, Roshni, and today I'm really pleased to be joined by Sonali from Sonali Cooks. Sonali is a recipe developer and content creator and she focuses on plant-based food. She's got a background in food PR and marketing and has worked on a range of large-scale hospitality events such as Taste of London, as well as launching central London restaurants. Her love for food has continued on the Instagram page, which she started a year ago, uh, and she's actually reached 12.9 thousand followers when I last looked, uh, which is fantastic. And she has the greatest joy in creating delicious recipes that look enticing and with a healthy angle. She tries to use seasonal produce as much as possible and takes great pride in creating interesting recipes showcasing produce at their very best. She's also a mum, and so she loves encouraging her daughter to try new dishes, experiment, experiment with flavours, and involving her daughter in recipe creation wherever possible. So welcome, Sonali. Really pleased to have you on Primrose Light. Thank you for making the time. It will be wonderful for the listeners uh, who are um, curious to know a bit more about your journey, uh, and perhaps, perhaps you could start with your background and where this love of food even came from. Thank you so much, Roshni, for having me. It's lovely to be on here. Um, So I think I've always had an affiliation with food, like many of us growing up in households where we're surrounded by amazing cooks, beautiful food. Um, And I think particularly fresh food played a big part for me. So um, I used to spend every holiday in Kenya with my grandparents from quite a young age and seeing, you know, how just fresh peas, where you have to do so little to them because they taste so sweet from the garden so the vegetable lady coming, um, and then kind of obviously back in the UK, my mum was very health conscious. I think we were one of the first kids being sent to school with, you know, five almonds soaked in water. It was all about brown bread, brown rice, uh, which none of our friends were kind of having. And I think at that time we thought it wasn't very cool, but now it's all the rage. But so she was definitely ahead of the time with her thought process on um, eating well and eating healthy. So food has always played a big part. Um, and then as I progressed into my um, university days, I really wanted to know how to cook very well. So I took an interest in creating fresh recipes then. And then I was lucky um, enough to spend a year in Italy. And during that time, obviously, when you're surrounded by amazing, amazing food, you, you know, you'll never look at shop-bought pesto again because it's so easy to make and you really value that beautiful smell of the basil as it goes in and you know the pine nuts and the fresh tomatoes literally just needing a sprinkle of salt and a drizzle of olive oil and they are good to go so um as you can see i'm very kind of love all my fresh food very much about eating well and putting the right things into my body um and then i kind of went into a marketing and pr field and um during that um i was lucky enough to uh, worked with various brands and I then um, went and worked for um, the company that launched Taste of London and that was kind of quite groundbreaking at the time a massive large-scale hospitality event in Regent's Park where you got to showcase all your Michelin star restaurants and meet the chefs really on a very informal level and it made food accessible and I think that's a big thing we all have preemptions of food and what they should be like and until you taste it and and, and and understand the flavors you can't really connect with it so this was lovely that you know you could go up to all the leading london restaurants and try their produce as well as a platform for new um you know products coming out um, in the food market to to have a, a, some exposure so that was um i worked in taste of london and i think i 
that probably cemented how I liked uh, the kind of love for food and marketing and PR. Um, and then when I left, um, I also did a, yes, an Italian lifestyle event called La Dolce Vita, which was again a really lovely event around Italian food and wine. Um, and that kind of led me on to uh, working for the uh, group that's Old World Hospitality in Delhi, but here um, the Chor Bazaar, and they um, they were launching some new concepts, um, which I loved. So again, um, I was working in their events and business development side. So my my connection for food until then was very much behind the scenes. I was very much the person pushing the food developer or or the chef or um, the brand. It wasn't about me. I just knew I was a bit of a foodie. Um, and, you know, I love my food. That was it. So I never really thought of myself as as anyone else or anything more. Um, and then my husband decided to go from furniture design um, to follow his passion to become a chef. So then I supported him. Uh, he ran Central London's first uh, cooking school, uh, vegetarian cooking school in Carnaby Street in Kingley Court. And I basically then thought, oh, this is quite fun. So I started off supporting him on his cooking classes. And then I took the premise next door for a short pop-up and I curated a range of food and drink events um, where basically um, like supper clubs or pairing or chocolate making or at Diwali like giving, you know, small businesses a chance to to sell their food um, and their range. So I think that kind of, as you can see, that after, after a while I clearly went down a path of anything to do with food I was going to help promote and, and be behind. So that's kind of my food journey up to, I think, me starting my Instagram page. Um, so yeah, that was, it was a hard, we went into lockdown and for some time, my friends, um, fellow mums had been talking about how my daughter eats so well. Um, you know, what, she's got a very diverse palate. When we were going out and looking for restaurants, it was never a case of it's got to be a pizza or a pasta joint it was she just ate with us and even we traveled um to asia to thailand vietnam even new york anywhere we've been she, it's not a matter of finding a different cuisine for her so i think um my husband and i were very clear that we were not going to compromise the way we were around her and i think look I, it, everyone's parenting styles are unique and, and it's not for me to judge or i just it worked for us where we kept offering her the same food so obviously, which is very little, um, that was different where, you know, you do give purees, etc. But then I realized that, you know, if I was having a dal, she could have the same very easily, but puree. And then that led on to um, things like quinoa salad, like, you know, something that you wouldn't naturally offer a young kid, a toddler, but actually she was pointing at it. And I thought, why not? So um, from that point onwards, I thought, well, I'm not going to be that person that cooks three different meals or two different meals in one household. Um, why add well, I had more difficulty to being a parent, you know, you're already running around after um, a kid learning to walk. So I then um, offered her the same and we cons- we consistently did this. So it was very much about um, fresh food with her. She loved, like many kids, fruits, you know, nuts, um, like I said, healthy things. So if I did a kitchri, uh, which was obviously quite traditional um, for many kids at that age, it would be a kinwa kitchri. Or um, I would mix up my, um, if I did idli, for example, um, it's kind of South Indian favorite, I would use uh, millet, ragi, ragi flour. So I very much from young 
made sure she didn't miss out on the flavors that make our, our cuisine so wonderful yes. or any of cuisine but I very much used um, a healthy alternative because that's how I wanted to eat so um, it made sense that we all ate the same um, so I believe that helped her from a young age to um, her, for her palate to increase for her to have a good affiliation with different flavors I mean we were talking about umami from a very young age with her. I mean, she's very like into wasabi and miso and very strong flavors. Um, and obviously then um, as she went to school, um, that kind of progressed a bit more where, you know, she she, she then kind of turned around and said, I, I don't want to eat the school packed lunches because they're bland. Um, so uh, more fun for me to pack, have to pack a packed lunch. But, at, you know, being vegetarian as well, she was eating just a lot of baked beans and, and jerk potatoes and pasta. And I'm I got the opportunity to send her in, you know, the foods that I, I think she prefers to eat. And um, from young, her connection with food in that way meant that we could travel well. It meant that, you know, she can eat out at the same place, same restaurant. And, you know, what we did was anything that she said, I'm not keen on. So let's say mushroom or tomatoes, she wasn't a fan of. Um, we would encourage her to have a better relationship with it. So, for example, with tomatoes, we asked her, we encouraged her to grow a tomato plant. And that joy of seeing the, the tomatoes grow and then picking them herself and then using them in her food led to her liking them. And now, I'll be honest, she won't completely love raw tomatoes, but she will use tomatoes with, she'll sit there making her pan con tomate or you know she'll use it in different forms. So I think um, it's just not making any negative experiences with food. Same with mushroom, mushrooms, excuse me. Um, she will, we will keep introducing it. So we would always create a meal which had something we knew she would definitely eat and alongside would be something new. And we always rewarded and encouraged the eating of something new. So rather than, you know, the joy out of maybe only having, oh, you know, giving the chocolate as a treat or something, um, we would encourage her to try new food. And then funny enough, when she went um, for her uh, school assessments to get into her current school, her prep school, um, most parents were sitting there with chocolate buttons in the car and I was sitting there um, with blueberries because that's what she loved um, and even her first taste of ice cream was you know it, Italian ice cream in Italy so I think even then we never said oh no just you can have a lolly we always made sure that she ate the same level as well I think many times um, parents kind of think it's okay um, for the kids to have, you know, the kind of lesser version. But she now, you know, wants truffle on her macaroni cheese and, and she'll go and have sushi with wasabi and she likes a pickle ginger. So we, it's it's amazing that her flavor journey not only made us expand more as a family, but that we can eat literally anywhere with her. And now she talks about food. She is a complete mini foodie. She very much um i know her friends talk about you know her palate and what she goes in and you know she was telling me the other day mommy i was explaining pre-lentils to my friends and they couldn't they said pre-lentils pre and it was like you know she goes pre-lentils and i love that she can even talk like that to her friends and, and and be you know be so comfortable um with food and now she makes us breakfast every weekend so she'll come down she'll make her eggs um she'll make meat avocado toast she'll make a smoothie bowl for herself quite comfortably um, which is great, exactly what we want. So very much a food-orientated family.
Wonderful. Wow. Well, thank you for taking us through that. That was no, but that was super interesting. Thank you very, very much. And I mean, obviously, it, it, you've set out such a beautiful uh, history, I guess, of your journey up to food and actually how you pass that on to the next generation through your daughter. And that's incredible. You know, I mean, she's only what, 12, 11, 10, 11, 10. 10. 10. So it's yeah. extraordinary, that palette. And I guess, you know, cooking with kids isn't just about the ingredients or the recipes and cooking. It's like what you're saying, it's about harnessing this imagination and empowerment and creativity so like the 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 tomato example is great and you've sort of said lots which hopefully the listeners who have got children will appreciate i.e rewarding the, the children um but perhaps not with chocolate but with another thing that they like and obviously this was a healthier alternative so that's great but i guess i'm curious to know i mean I mean, obviously giving a child just gelato and exposing them to this palette. I mean, does she ever push back and say, oh, I don't like this? Or she just saw you both and very much emulated it. And or maybe she's, you know, she's a, a little different to the, the average child. I mean, what do you think it is? Um, I think she definitely if she look, we've also obviously we encourage our children, we empower them very much to speak their mind. And that can go either way. We've never forced um, any kind of food. I honestly um strongly believe that it's not beneficial to force anything. If someone, I mean, you know, we, if she's old enough to tell us what she wants to wear, where she wants to go, she's also old enough to tell us about food. Um, and so I think um, if she strongly did not want to try something, like onions, onions is a prime thing I think many children don't think they like or don't feel they like, um, they're not going to sit there having raw onions or chopped up. So, but actually, um, I would slowly put it in her food. So when making anything, um, you know, for flavor, the base of um, any, uh, uh, stock or curry, anything, uh, you know, I, w- I would put onions in. And then slowly, even a bit of chili and spice. So sometimes she didn't fully know. But then actually now, she will happily have raw chopped onions, like on a pan or something, uh, or, you know. So um, I think we kept encouraging her to try. If she firmly said, no, we didn't push it, mm-hmm. um, it's not positive. Like, we don't want to be force-fed something we don't want, so why would she? Um, so I think I very, we very much did that. And like I said, she now we'll vocalize but she'll go in like we'll go somewhere and she'll literally be like we're going to ping pong let's say for example she'll take the sheet she'll write down our order she's very very confident and that doesn't only transpire when it's us it transpires uh, when we go out with um other you know friends when we go out with family members um she's an only child and most of us are adults so actually it's worked really well um, and she herself, you know, I think once we were in Singapore and they, they said, oh, good, order from the kids menu. And she ordered um, a macaroni cheese and it literally came back with processed melted cheese. It's something that I wouldn't eat. So I don't really expect my child to. But she turned around and said, mommy, I can't eat this. It's just processed cheese. And she's not kind of being a diva or anything. She literally had the right to say that because when you have fresh, why should she have that? Um, and it compromised her flavor. And so I think what I love is that she's very clear about what she wants. Um, And I think we've always made um, her understand the value of what's in the plate. So I'll always say that if there's too much white, there's too much, you know, brown, and, you know, certain colors are very kind of carby colors. Where's the green, you know, on your plate? Where's the colors of of the the peppers or the other thing? And we'll do little things. I'm always encouraging her to make food with me um try my thing she's like my recipe tester at home um but also things like for example very quick wins where she wants a lot of sweets and treats when we're on a long summer holiday or like we just had easter um very much i will tell you know show her how she can eat what she wants to in a more interesting way so uh donuts for example so you know i i know i appreciate it's not completely the same but the main thing she really wanted to make donuts was to decorate them 
um, and had the chocolate part. So cut an apple in half, cut a middle, cut, cut a ring in the middle so it looks like a donut shape. Then she can happily top it with chocolate if she'd like to, or peanut butter, or and then and put her sprinkles and have fun. But the base is the apple still. So I, I'm always trying to teach her about balance. And uh, I wish I had learned that earlier. I think there's very much, um, when I was growing up, a thought process of, um, other than my mom, who I think was quite unique at her time, but feed them with chocolate and sweets and children would love you more. And, you know, yes. um, and I think it's not the case anymore. I think very much now is if you give them the right understanding from a young age, this will hopefully continue um, until a point when they are on their own cooking for their own, run, run, you know, raising their own family. So I think I see that in her where she now will not eat compromised food because she understands actually this is not good for me and it's not what she actually enjoys. Um, so for example, she she told us she'd never had McDonald's before because we don't normally go and have McDonald's. Um, and so I said, fine, let's go because I don't want her to be denied anything. We all went and ate it when we were younger you know, at a time. Of course. So we took her there and we let her go through the ordering process. And yes, she liked the milkshake, but she just turned around and she said, I can't eat the burger because it's just so heavy and it doesn't taste good. Um, so I, it's been interesting for me that I haven't restricted her, but she's, she has very much, because she knows what's fresh and best, I think she herself is turning around and making those decisions um, and saying, I don't want to eat this, you wow. know, so... That's incredible. And I guess if you, like you said, fresh is best. And I think her palate has become so sophisticated so early on that now she'll repel anything that sort of is remotely processed. But I mean, that's fantastic from sort of a health and well-being sort of standpoint. But I guess I'm curious. I mean, that's a really interesting example with the donuts. But I mean, you've sort of mentioned some of the different flowers you've used and um sort of the quinoa kitschy and I'm just curious to know uh you know and I'm sure our, our listeners will be as well how do you make normal you know Gujarati Indian uh, Italian you know whatever cuisine it is you're cooking how do you make it healthier because I think that's really important for people you, you know we're all cooking more at home anyway you know we've all sort of been in, yes. in lockdown but how can we make it that bit more healthier we'd love to know your tips so I don't fry at all at home. Um, I have an air fryer and that has been a game changer. So I, like I said, I'm very, I don't want her to not know how to eat certain things. Like we go somewhere and, and let me be very clear. I don't restrict when we're out. I, I don't believe in, you know, we all have that little treat when we're out. It's not like um, it's a military regime at all. I, I think very much where I can at home, we'll try and do a different option. So um, things like, so say samosas or, um, she loves chips. I mean, who doesn't, you know, she, so basically we'll use the air fryer and I'll try and create the same version for her. Um, like are we, I have an up and pan. So there, like if I want to make some pakoras or pajas or something, they are again, minimal oil. It's a very much spray light situation. Um, I'll bake where I can. So again, um, opposed to frying. Um, and then with data, let's say for example, sushi, um, she loves sushi. Um, but then I'll maybe add beetroot to the sushi, so we'll make pink beetroot, which is fun for her, but I'm integrating that beetroot in. Um, uh, meti, uh, for example, fenugreek, uh, when I'm making any um, like chapatis or tebra for her, I will first of all use um, alternative flowers, so we don't really use that much white flowers, or so we'll very much use, um, you know, like I said, the uh, millet, the sorghum or ragi flowers or bajra, but then I'll, I'll put an avocado into that mix. Um, I will add uh, fenugreek into it and I'll use grated cucumber and carrot. And because that has a natural liquid, 
you don't then need to add any oil because you, yeah. what you're needing is something to bind that together. And if the grated cucumber naturally has so much um, liquid, you don't need to add oil. And then, you know, she'll love that because it's full of flavor. And that's the thing is it's not about um, so much. She doesn't understand what flour that I'm seeing are naturally. As long as it tastes good for a kid, I think they're okay with it. And, and she has treats. She does have chocolate and crisps. It's not like she doesn't have, you know, but as like I said, it's all about what can I balance and do at home that she will enjoy um, and then when we go out, she's free to eat how she wants to. Yeah. So, for example, she loves um, spaghetti with meatballs, but we use cauliflower rice meatballs. And she genuinely keeps asking me for them. It's not something that I'm even trying to enforce. She'll be like, Mommy, when are you going to make it again? Um, and that's a joy. I think that's the, the, you know, the whole thing, the whole journey around food um, is around bringing joy to yourself to make and to others and that's the same you know when I started my Instagram page the same thing how can I bring joy what brings me joy in my life um, and how can I give that to others wonderful well I guess it's a perfect pop up sort of time to speak about the Instagram page uh, obviously as I mentioned it's grown to 12.9 thousand followers uh, and you've really done that in a year I mean it's it's a phenomenal achievement and it's a huge sort of testament to the creativity and the energy and um hard work you've put into this page so talk talk to the listeners that perhaps don't know very much about your page you know what what exactly do you um do you have on that page how have you built up that following and, and talk to us a bit more about it so um what happened is when we went into lockdown i have kind of transitionally transitioning between jobs i kind of have a marketing and pr background um i wanted to see how i could develop my social media skill, I mean, online skills. And I realized when I was working with previous clients, they were great, but they weren't on it with, with social media and engagement. So they weren't you know, able to progress. Um, so when we went into lockdown, um, a combination of friends saying to me, asking me for constantly for recipes and not having one place for them all. So um, I thought, okay, so up to date that day, I was just sharing when I went out to a restaurant or Instagramming my food basically out when I was eating out. Um, so I thought, okay, wait, let me put them online. So it was exactly 9th of April last year that I started and I shared my first recipe. Um, and literally, honestly, I did not expect or have any intention of where this was going to go. It was, and you know, you literally just think you're putting it up for your friends. You don't really think about the wider audience um, that this is going to. So I thought, okay, I'm going to share this. And I want to develop my social media skills. So why not use my platform as a learning curve um, and then also like I said I have this um, I, I kind of wanted to give joy and I, I really enjoy cooking and, and the combination of the Indian healthy Indian you know with the Italian background with some of the kind of Kenyan dishes all coming together um, and most of all I'll be honest I wanted something for me so you know my, my daughter's 10 my husband's quite busy because he's obviously a chef and I wanted to do something for me. And I thought, I'm going to challenge myself and I'm going to create a new recipe every day. This is for me, something to keep me motivated through lockdown. We're all quite um, taken back by, you know, what we've been thrown into. Yes. Um, so that's what I did. That was it. That was the premises of me starting Sonali Put. Um, and I just, you know, shared a recipe pretty much every day until December last year. And um, as I started sharing, I, you know, I started understanding how Instagram works. I'm quite geeky like that. I do love understanding how to get, you know, things. But so, you know, okay, there's hashtags. Okay, I have to engage with people. Um, okay, what are other brands doing? You know, what are other um, bloggers doing? What can I learn? What can I share? And 
I'm always happy if I'm growing. I think we all have to just, you know, keep, we have so much to learn. And I very much, just this was my journey, it was a very personal journey. And then the, the kind of the followers started coming in. And I think I had a massive um, kind of case of imposter syndrome because I was like, well, who, I'm just the, you know, mom at home cooking for my family and sharing my dishes online. I wasn't planning all my content in advance like many people and I wasn't on it. I was literally making the food, quickly taking a picture while my daughter was sitting there hungry mm -hmm. <laughs> and trying to get it right. Um, and, you know, then writing up the recipe and sharing it. And, you know, um, I just, people responded to it. I think I was trying to keep it accessible. Um, I very much wanted to do things which I felt I could cook at home. Um, I know a lot of people want to still give um, their food, their children good food from their, their heritage. So for me, that was Indian food. I didn't want her to miss out, but what's quick, what's easy, and how can I make this healthier at home? Um, and that transpired across to global food, because we obviously, my husband does you know, Asian food, so we eat a lot of Korean and Japanese food in our house. Um, and then, you know, I love Middle Eastern. I love eating like small plates, Mende style. Yes. So, you know, then it was like, okay, how can I show people how they can make a quick vatar? and put it on a flatbread, how can I do, like, what, what a sumac? I love using miso, so miso, apple, roses. So I think it literally, it wasn't, you know, this whole eating for the Insta or, or cooking for the, I wasn't doing any of that. I was just showing how we eat as a family. I didn't want to be put into any particular box of she only does this or this. This is just how we eat, and I was sharing it. Um, the only thing that I was consistent with was, um, we're vegetarian, you know, so we, I basically, all my food is vegetarian and uh, a lot of it is vegan or I try and offer a vegan alternative. I'm very, very much um, kind of passionate about seasonal and local produce. Produce will always taste the best if it's in season and if you sourced it locally. So uh, we very much the household do not buy, you know, try to avoid like even fruits, which we sometimes crave, we'll try not to buy them out of season. Um, and so, and also local businesses and farms. So I, I then started getting sent produce um, by, and get, you know, I, I just started being gifted and I was like, oh, this is, this is pretty amazing because these, these are things I'd like to try but I've never thought of or know that exist. Absolutely. So, but I very much made sure that it stayed in, in line with what I was about. So it was very much healthy snacks, healthy alternative, a vegan chocolate bar, um, you know, a fresh box of fruit or veg, which I was, you know, would be very, very happy to receive. Um, I didn't want to become an advertising site. It wasn't about me sitting there holding, you know, an energy, energy drink or something. It was very much about me improving what, you know, how I can cook. It was about showcasing what I make for my family. And along the way, I then started working on you know, my plating or my photography. So like I said, this was just me very much learning. Um, and, you know, people would be like, oh, you know, this is really good. And I was like, oh, I was quite chuffed by how this turned out. Or I managed to plate this stuff and it looked quite impressive. Um, and so that very much continued. And, I, and like I said, it, I, I was really, really blessed. I, I kind of felt like I'm very much surrounded by a very positive, supportive food community. Um, Actually, many of my family and close friends are not online or very sporadically online. Um, so I soon learned not to rely on them um, and felt, you know, kind of grew the community around me. And, you know, it is about supporting each other. It's not about people just supporting you. 
it's very much about engaging uh, with others, encouraging others. So a lot of what the world doesn't see is the DMs offline, you know, where people are like, I'm having a really bad day, I'm not feeling very creative, and you sit there um, supporting them and then collaborating with others. So I did two things. I, I kind of had a, a collab, small group of vegetarian uh, foodies who I very much felt passionate about showcasing vegetarian food at its best um, and that there is, you know, you don't miss out on anything. Nice. So we would then have a different theme. So we just had like a spring theme or, um, you know, Christmas and we would, you know, um, all cook and, and share our, our, our dishes on the same day and then share each other. So it's really nice and supportive, but you also then, your food gets shown to a wider audience. Um, and then as I grew, and I think after I reached, just before, just before or after I reached 10,000, I thought, you know what, I, when I was a small blogger, it's really hard to get noticed because you've got people with massive, massive following. Um, but actually, I wish there was somewhere for me to showcase my food within a supportive community, um, you know, where other people could do the same. So then I started a page called The Veggie Feed, which is basically for bloggers of any size, but I try and support the smaller one to show their food um, and get that kind of encouragement and then and, and engagement and followers, really, which um, many people feel passionate about. So that's grown really well. Um, and personally for me, it's been up and down. You know, I've had my account hacked, like four, four times people have set up impersonating accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you meet people who you feel closer to at times and then, then you move on. So that it, it's been a learning curve and you can get very consumed by it. You can feel very, very emotional about it and, you know, hands up being, being there. Um, but you really have to take a step back and something that I've been trying to practice is being mindful about being online. So um, I will try and take a break Good. before I go on and then I'll try and you know, uh, restrict how long I'm online because you, it's so easy, it's addictive. You can be on all the time. Um, I'm very aware about who I'm engaging with and the positive connections I'm making. And like, if anything is not making me happy or anyone, I will just remove them. It sounds harsh, but it's like anywhere that you spend a lot of time you create that positive environment around you if it's not positive you're not going to want to be on it um i very much say the journey I, I look i've been really lucky i think i have grown really well um and they're very important to stay organically not by buying any followers i actually regularly remove anyone that looks like a bot um i've been really fortunate that brands have reached out to me and i've um, now getting paid to do what i love which you know is honestly a happy place I think I'd like to say I hopefully still feel quite humble. I still, you know, I'm not a trained chef. I've not got any certification in this. Um, I'm literally just doing my best. And luckily, people like it. So, you know, brands will reach out and say, we want to create a reel. We want to showcase our product. I do still very much try and stick to what I'm about, my niche. I don't try and be a jack of all trades. Um, so, like, I'll still do very much brands that I feel I would want to personally buy and would feel comfortable recommending. Um I have been sent things which I don't feel comfortable promoting. Um, they d- the t- didn't taste up to scratch for me or didn't arrive as well as I, you know, so for the gift item. And I won't ever put a negative review, but I will explain to the brand that I don't feel comfortable promoting it. So I think I try and be honest. Um, I, I'm, it's really not about a numbers game. Um, the engagement is really, really key. Um, so how many likes you get, how many people save your recipe. I mean. Imagine that like, when you put something up and like over 200 people save your recipe, that's phenomenal because even if all of them don't remake it, they think it's good enough to save, which means, you know, they're invested in it. Um, 
And like I said, you know, the, the comments and engagement and, and people have been sharing their rebates. That's amazing. That brings you so much joy. Um, and not all of them will share online because they're still nervous. And that's fine by me. They'll DM me and send me a picture and say, oh, it doesn't look as good as yours or it's not. But I don't care. It, it just, if someone's made your recipe again, you know, it's, it's amazing. What a wonderful feeling that the effort you've put into it means someone, you know, has learned from it. Um, and I have mums or I have friends even turning around or, or even like people I don't know saying that their kids had tried this or they really enjoyed this or we never thought about creating this. Um, and so there's been that journey where I feel like I'm helping people. There's been my own journey where I've grown to understand the algorithm as much as I can and as much as one of any one of us can to understand, you know, when's the best time to post, to work with brands in a professional manner so people don't realize this, but they want your insights, they want your numbers. It's not just, hey, I got a nice free item. Like literally, um, you know, they want all the intel from you. Um, like I said, a wonderful partnerships like Waitrose, Merchant Gourmet, Ninja Foodie. I've been sent so much wonderful things and, I, and I, like I said, now I'm getting paid. But also my own journey of improving my photography, uh, improving how I write recipes. I mean, I'm not, you know, none of us know, we're taught how to write recipes. So I think I'm definitely trying to get them more snappy. Um, take better, better quality, like plate up better, create better food, and also expand my um, culinary experience and my use of spices and flavors. Um, you know, I will always, it's not like I stick to a trial and trust it. I will constantly make new things, which I've never done before and just put it out there. Fantastic. <laughs> um, and it seems to be working. Um, you know, I, I can't say anything more than that. It's really been. Um, when you get positive responses and you enjoy what you're doing, um, I'm just hoping long may it continue. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it is a real testament. And thank you so much for that very detailed and very truthful account, actually, because I don't think sometimes people do share some of the, the know-how um, quite as openly. So thank you for that. Um, actually, it's, I was thinking, I was sort of doing the math whilst you were saying 9th of April uh, 2020. Actually, this will be released, this podcast will be released on the 9th of April 2021. So a nice <laughs> one year uh, sort of celebration. Um, so that's quite a nice fitting little tribute to sort of say well done for this huge achievement. Um, and I guess obviously you've created hundreds of beautiful recipes. Uh, you know, one I was sort of looking through and I mean, it's it's beyond beautiful to look at you've got a it's an apple and pistachio tart I mean presentationally it's exquisite um I mean where does this sort of creativity come from obviously you're, you're talking and I can sort of see you on screen and I can see a boundless sort of joy and energy and and I'm sure the listeners will be thinking wow Sonali's just so passionate about it but you know obviously it's a lot of pressure like you're saying it sort of has pushed you to play tap better to develop your own photography skills to experience and play around with lots of different flavors so you, there must be a lot of trial and error that obviously won't be seen behind the scenes. Um, it, it must be a huge endeavour, but but where do these ideas, you just sort of wake up in the middle of the night and think, oh goodness, like, what about putting this together? Or how does it come about? Talk to us about that. Um, it's a mixture of things. I think I'm, I'd say, wait, I had this conversation with someone recently where they're like, oh, you're really creative. And I was like, no, I don't think I am. Or I didn't think I was. Um, and I think, you know, there's, when there's something that you love doing, you find a real passion for it, don't you? You suddenly, it's almost like you unlock a little key inside you um, that you think, oh, you know, um, this is what I could do. And, and, and the more that you see, and whether it be online, on other platforms, you go out to a restaurant, you enjoy that experience, there'll be things that I'll be, oh, I want to recreate this. How can I do this? How can I make 
this veggie? How can I make this healthier? Um, so I'm always challenging myself because, like I said, this is very much about my growth. It, you know, I'm not, not a know-it-all at all. I'm very much about me learning and, and people are learning alongside Hooray. Um, so I, I do have crazy ideas. Sometimes I can't sleep at night. So I do keep a notepad by my, <laughs> by my bedside. Um, and I don't know, they come to me. So I got sent to the apples, right? They were beautiful colors. Um, and I thought, okay, it's apple season. So they're very, very fresh. What can I do? What's a really lovely combination? Um, I'll try, you know, pistachio is really good. I've been wanting to do like a, um, oh, that's it. I got given a pistachio cream. So sometimes it's just sometimes what I have in the house. And I thought, oh, apple and pistachio would be beautiful together. And then I thought, well, how can I make these apples shine? So I had done, I had made apple roses before, which is lovely, but they're, you know, they're, um, uh, I'd done them before, so I thought, what can I do? And then I thought of it as tart, and I think that was, I think I may have seen that something, or, and I thought, oh, I can do something like this, but I can do it this way, and I can keep the apples upright. So, it, look, I will say that um, social media also is a very interesting thing. No one really has full ownership, because um, you've always been triggered by something, even if it's in your subconscious. Yes. Um, I like, you know, obviously my recipes are, are all unique to me and original, but I can't say no one's ever made the same thing before, um, but we all do different variations. And it'll be like, you know, I, I went, I'll be like, oh, the other day, I, like, oh, I wanted I wanted to make chili cheese, um, you know, toast or sample. But then I, I wanted to make, I've been wanting to make pretzels for some time without egg. So then I just combined the two. So I made chili cheese pretzels, you know, pretzel for sharing, great for picnics now, the weather we're having. Um, so, um, and like marupaja, like I said, I love marupaja. Yes, I don't like potatoes are on the list of things to make. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, but that's a prime example where I love Hasselback potatoes. So it just, I don't know how it, it just comes to me. I'm like, oh, I'll do Hasselback marupaja, um, you know. And then sometimes I, so sometimes I won't be able to sleep at night because I'll be so excited that I can't wait to wake up the next day and make it. Um, and then things like sometimes then I'm like, I'm really challenging myself. So I made um an edible tiramisu candle at christmas for one of my clans the whole candle was edible now i don't work with chocolate i am not an artist but this was some this is something more for me where i don't know how many people will really go back and create it but i wanted to do something to push myself to do you know showcase my creativity um most of my recipes are a lot more accessible and easy to make but every now and then i'm like i'm gonna try this out and I think I saw something about an edible candle or something. And literally, I went and bought the wicks. I, I, I lit, you know, because I lit the candle and, and then I, I, I you know, I, I forget, I kind of looked online how to create a candle mold. Um, so I used a, an old water bottle because I didn't want to buy like a professional mold. Um, and then I made it. And you know what? I've I just been very lucky. Things work out. I didn't try that more than, you know, the white. Sorry, I should recorrect. The, um, the outside of the candle, I made twice because the first time my white chocolate cracked. Like I said, I'm not used to working with chocolate. I didn't even use it, uh, any kind of temperature gauge. I just made it. So that was the only thing I probably did twice. And then I made the filling to tiramisu, something I'm used to making. Um, and I'm lucky it worked out. And luckily, a lot of the recipes like that, I don't remake that many times. Um, I think I just try it and if it tastes good and it works for me, then I think, okay, that, that's okay. But, you know, if someone comes back to me and says, um, how can I bury this or this, this batter didn't rise, and I always try that again because I, I want to make sure that it does work for someone else as well. Um, and like I said, when people recreate the recipe, that's, that's the best way really of showcasing 
that something worked. Yeah. Um, so I did a really simple Easter egg cheesecake thing, you know, yes, um, and, and quite a few people remade it. It's such a fun way of using up leftover eggs. It's a nice dessert. If you but can get the enough. eggs, I couldn't get any eggs by the time I went to the <laughs> shops, but yes. <laughs> we, we, we have quite a few if you want to come around. Um, so I think it's a mixture of everything. Um, it's a mixture of influences. It's a mixture of things I've tried. It's a mixture of things I want to try. And then sometimes it really is just a random idea that comes to me and I'm like, oh, why don't I just do this? Or, you know, we have, I, I'll see a garlic, you know, tear and share bread and I'm like, oh, how can I make this more interesting? Um, or, um, you know, I, I made like, so I had a Raja Masala spices recently with a client. They wanted to showcase their spices, their Palpaji Masala mix, but they wanted something innovative. And, you know, people come to you for a reason. So they like, we know that you create healthy food. We know that you have innovative um, Indian food. So I then came up with Balpaji corn tacos yes. because corn is a healthier source. It's a protein source. Um, and obviously a lot of people already know how to make Balpaji the more traditional way. And I use their spices. And then I like, literally it is how I would like to eat. So I like crunch with something soft. So the taco shell provides a perfect base for the the, 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 the kind of the filling of the corn with the Balpaji uh, spices. And then I, you know, then you did the kind of the, the avocado and the chopped onions and tomatoes on top. And you've got a wonderful kind of explosion of flavors. Um, so I think experimenting is how a lot of stuff happens. Mm. Um, and if it tastes good to me, then I hope it tastes good to others. That's, I think that's, that's probably very fair. I'm curious to know, obviously you've travelled quite a lot and you've referenced obviously some of the places you've been internationally. Do you think some of the creativity has come as a result of travelling because you've been exposed to the way different places cook and the, the sort of flavours that they're cooking with and also the way they plate up and you know presentations? I think if you're quite a social, outgoing person, you're seeing different things and can draw inspiration naturally. So I'm curious to know, how much shift do you think the influence of travel uh, and going out to eat has helped you create your own experiences uh, for your own content? I think obviously it plays a big part because as soon as you travel, especially if you go you know quite far out in the world, um, you're 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 exposed to new flavors, aren't you, and dishes, um, and you always take something home. Don't you? So take something from there, like a specific spice that you really resonated with, or the way that something was made. Um, so I think definitely that plays a part. Um, and like I was saying, so although obviously I'm Indian heritage, then I lived in Italy. So again, like it's once you see how easy it is to make fresh, fresh pasta or a fresh sauce, I, you know, the, the bottle is there as a backup on a, on a day when you really don't have time. But I mean, a quick tomato sauce, a pesto um, in every form. So I'll make basil pesto, kale pesto, watercress pesto. Um, you know, wild garlic is in season at the moment. So when I foraged it locally and I may, I'll make wild garlic pesto, I made wild garlic and cheese stone. So, you know, a lot of like, I'm influenced by produce as well. Mm -hmm. But obviously, once you know how easy it is to make things, you will make that. So the Italian influence is very, very strong. So um, whether, you know, whatever it might be, I will make that fresh, whether it's like pasta and bean soup, whether it's just a simple gnocchi dish, or like I said, it's a simple salad using Italian flavors. Um, then we took, you know, across the room, I love Middle Eastern food. Um, it plays a big part. So I will make my own lab label. Again, I think things look in, um, inaccessible, yeah. um, like making fresh paneer yourself, whatever it might be. But once you do it, actually, you realize it's not that hard. And I'm not saying you have to make it every time. We are all busy. We've had a 
kind of privilege, I believe, of a year in lockdown, but life will return to normal. But, you know, the lab labels will stay for, you know, a month. And they're just handy when you want to, you know, um, put them together. So once you've made something once, it keeps. Making a good garlic and chili oil, or I, I just did something recently with the Cheswan, um, um chili oil, right? That's a base. Mm. So once you've done that, you basically um, keep that in the fridge and mm. it's there all the time. So I think it's just making, having quick wins, having, you know, good things, good food um, that you can always then just, you know, throw together. And I think what happens when you travel and you have these influences, you start um, buying those spices. So I had a conversation with one of my friends because I could never cook like you. Um, and I said, why not? And she goes, vegetables and salads are fine, but I don't have those flavors. Mm. And I said, what's stopping you? We are really fortunate that you can walk into pretty much all supermarkets now and buy miso, tahini, um, you know, um, Asian flavors, um, whatever it might be. Yes. Um, sumac, za'atar. We're not missing in this country. So my theory is, especially being vegetarian, because I remember when I was younger, a lot of people would struggle with, what did I eat? Did I just eat vegetables or just pasta? Um, and really, you can make any dish exciting when you add that right flavor combination. So a simple salad can get elevated. You know, a granola, homemade granola, I add like tahini and orange zest and oranges in my granola. It tastes phenomenal. And I know that my family is eating better with less sugar because you know my daughter loves granola, but there's a lot of sugar in that granola. Yeah. Um, and then just, just I think um, using the global impact of spices and flavors in your food, and I think everything then tastes better. So definitely, yes, it has had a big influence on how I cook, and not only how I cook, it made me want to learn more. It's, it's expanded my recipe collection because I want to recreate that at home. And moreover, in this lockdown where we obviously aren't eating out and I'm missing my restaurant that I like. I'm just creating that at home. So if you want to do a Thai curry paste or, you, you know, we love a lot of um, even Chinese or, you know, why can't I make the same sweet corn soup or a very, you know, easy or a spring roll in my air fryer or that nice stir fry. So I think anything that you do, um, if you enjoy eating it like out, I'm, I get quite excited about recreating it at home. Fantastic. Um, and once you understand the flavor concept and what they've used, um, actually, it's quite easy. Mm, absolutely. So I'm curious to know what, what will always be in Sonali's kitchen? What are the, the sort of core ingredients that you can just see? Because you sound like someone who is able to just randomly put together ingredients, but I think this will go well, and then give it a go. How do you, A, I guess I'd like to know what you always have in your kitchen, but B, how do you <laughs> know what flavours quite go well together? Um, so tahini is always great. Um, tahini, I've combined tahini and miso, tahini and lemon, olive oil, um, basically it's great for dressing um, and, and, you know, basically um, oh, not only in Lebanese food, but obviously for salad dressings and stuff. Uh, orange, like I said, um, having citrus and then a base, like a creamy base always works really well. So whether you've got orange or blood oranges or lemon and stuff always works well with a creamy base. Um, cashews, I use cashews a lot, so I will soak my cashews and I will make balapunia, the creaminess of the balap with that. I will use cashews in um, pestos if I don't wish to use parmesan. Um, so I always have, I mean, we go through a lot of cashews um, and more, not for snacking, but for use of those creamy bases. Um, I will make like a satay sauce using, you know, the cashews with some peanut butter and you've got that nice satay. So I think it's about making food interesting and fun. So even like my daughter will happily have a bowl of that kind of uh, satay kind of salad. 
Um, miso is a big thing for uh, like not not so much funny enough in soups, but and a flavor enhancer because it's a great umami. Um, so we I use that a lot, and that complements um, kind of sweet dishes. We also do a, a salted caramel miso, um, you know, as well as dressing, and then things like soy sauce. For example, um, when we make guacamole at home, instead of putting salt, we use soy because you just need a little bit of soy. First, it gives it a lovely flavor, but it's it's a salt addition rather than adding lots of salt. So that's a good base for things. Um, always have garlic and ginger and chili um, as a base for us so much. Um, and then I think spices wise, uh, I love zatar, which is a kind of combination of different sesame seeds and stuff. So you can easily make that at home. Um, sumac adds a lovely spice or harissa. So when you're making potatoes, um, uh, it's lovely to kind of combine that. And then from the Indian spices, um, obviously like you know cumin, ground coriander, all of those exist. But I think making your own um, garam masala or is, is is really lovely as well. I think actually the freshness of your spices. I think things are kept in cupboards for too long. Um, and most of all, I honestly would say the secret ingredient ingredient is fresh produce. Um, you can add anything to it, but if something is not fresh. It's not at an optimum time to eat it. it. The sweetness and the flavor is is so different. So I always think like my starting plate is something that's in season and and local, like I said, and then you add the flavors that bring it to life. Um, and and it literally it's a touch, it's a touch of something and it can change it completely. So yeah. <laughs> wow, wonderful, wonderful. And I mean, sort of in the le- sort of next five or so minutes, uh, Sonali, uh, talk to us about your your inspiration because you know people can't see you but I can see you and I you know you're just oozing with enthusiasm and obviously very happy talking about food uh like me I, I like tasting food so it's a good it's a good dynamic for us to be having a conversation but but talk to us I mean you've mentioned obviously travel you've sort of said you've got a beautiful community which well done to you for creating to really sort of promote uh, sort of new um bloggers um to kind of increase their following but but where do you draw your inspiration from um, and you know, are there particular cooks that you just love following, uh, or you know, books that you recommend to people? Or you've just very much sort of developed this yourself. It's definitely a combination um, of, any, of of various um, things. I think in my life, so very much, uh, yeah, the experiences I've had um, traveling and the exposure to eating out. I think um, we're quite adventurous foodies. Yeah, we very much you know eat globally. Um, but eat out even in the in the UK eating at restaurants, you know, very much for that amazing experience. Um, we don't tend to go to that kind of white kind of tablecloth places. We're very much about supporting new and upcoming chefs who really are hugely creative. Um, that's been a big influence. So what I've eaten out myself and enjoyed, I I, I think about how I can recreate at home. Um, my husband has been a massive influence. I have to be honest. So the world of Asian flavors using things like I said miso, but even gochujang, gochukaru, all the Korean and Asian flavors. I would not have had them in my house beforehand, and very much the way that he brings uh, food to life by just experimenting. And, and you know, I used to be very much a recipe follower. I used to like one teaspoon of this and you know that, and and very much the way he puts food together and the flavors he combines have have worked so lovely that I love them and I crave them. So that's very much influenced me because. Um, playing with flavor, being adventurous, you know, being a bit more bold with how much to put in um, has been great for my learning journey. Um, I think, obviously, um, also just 
other people around me, you know, Instagram, it's not just about me sharing my food. I love seeing what other people use and create and how they experiment. Um, and a lot of it is trial and error. I'll be honest, like, what's the worst that's going to happen if you put a touch of something in or you just, you're cooking for your family. You're not, I'm not a restaurant, I'm not a restaurant you know, kind of manager or a chef. So I think, and, and look, it's worked out. I, it doesn't often go wrong. I'm not saying in any arrogant way, it just doesn't. So mm. I think, um, the inspiration has been from many, many places. So from people, from chefs. I um, I don't look at that many recipe books. I have a lot, um, but as my the way I cook has changed, I think I've learned this is my journey. I'm running my own race with it, so it's my flavors and what appeals to me. But yes, obviously, look, um, Ottolenghi is great for, from I think from a vegetarian perspective. Um, but then I think also um, I love. Um, uh, from the pastry side, like badly, you know, Ravinda, and then I think um, different chefs offer different things. So we've got cookbooks where you'll find a quite unknown chef, but that because their way they do particular dishes. Um, I'd love to learn more, maybe about kind of South American food or uh, you know, how even Mexican, the more traditional Mexican. So I'll, I'll, I'll not the Tex-Mex, so that you know, the, uh, making arepas and things like that. I love learning. So I think those kind of things you can learn from chefs. Yeah. So I made pide recently again, and that was from a chef, Selena from um, Oklava. So I'll get the technique from the chefs, but the fillings and the flavors will be my own. Wow. So I think that's kind of what I found because you don't know, or you don't know how every pastry is going to work. So the basic recipes, I think sometimes are good from recipe book, but then how you make it your own is, is that's your own journey absolutely and i guess it's it's a timely probably last question for me to ask i mean what's next for sonali in this journey what are your sort of hopes and aspirations sort of perhaps for the next year uh you know and in, in, in sort of t- going on to sort of 2021 and, and and beyond so a lot of people actually have asked me this recently um as we're easing out of lockdown as well and like i said because i didn't set out with any intention that i want to be or become anything um I've just been doing my thing, really. Um, and I still have a long way to go. I'm still learning. I, I haven't made plans to, you know, do anything specific. I am getting um, more opportunities. I mean, I've, I've been asked recently to do some, I've done some filming already, but I've been asked to do some filming for um, a TV channel, for example, or, you know, um, thoughts on how, I think the fact that I can monetize of this is good, because we all need to make a living. So I, but I'm not pressurizing myself about that because I genuinely don't want it to become a chore. Um, so I think I'm just doing what I can manage. Um, during lockdown, it was much easier. You know, I, I, I was posting every day. I have now cut that back down. Um, I want to see how I can improve. I would love to improve my photography skill, for example, so that I can take better photos of food. I would still have, would love to offer my social media skills, which is actually what I started off doing. I didn't know that my side hustle, so to speak, would become such a main hustle. Um, so I'm happy to like, you know, help others out as well. Um, you know, so I, I can kind of use my skills for that. Um, and I'm just seeing where it goes. I just feel so happy with what I'm doing and I don't want to change that. So at the moment, the formula is working. I'm open to opportunities. Um, if they arise, I, I'm, you know, I, I want to explore and see where I can go with it. Wonderful. Well, the formula and I guess the right ingredients to to speak in your terms is is definitely all there. So you know, wish you a huge, uh, huge amount of sort of success with it because I think you're doing really beautiful things. So, you know, I guess there's nothing more really for me to sort of. It's it's probably a good time to sort of conclude and say thank you so much, Sonali, for coming on Primary's Light and 
talking very openly about your journey and you know hopefully sharing some useful tips for people that might be listening that are looking to grow an area that they're interested in you know build a social media following you know for anyone who's got children who's you know trying to encourage their children to explore and broaden their palette hopefully Sonali's given you guys some good tips Um, but also I think just sharing your your love of food, um, which is so lovely, because there is no love sincerer than the love of food, uh, as George Bernard Shaw says so nicely. So thank you very much, Snarly. If people are looking to follow Snarly, where can they find you, Snarly? You can find me at Snarly Cooks on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and, you know, always happy to receive DMs if anyone wants any help on anything. Thank you very, very much, Rosalie. It's really, really wonderful chatting with you today. Likewise. Thank you, everyone. Uh, and thank you, Snarly, for listening. Snarly, it's been so lovely um, sort of seeing your journey. You are really, uh, I think, a force to be reckoned with. Um, so uh, wish you very well. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep safe and God bless.